but to go to London with the Yankees, yeah, like, that's different. a different it's a kind different of experience. experience. It's a, if you can talk shit, MJ gonna love you. He might hit you with the like anybody can win it once. Yeah. Oh. Which of course begs the question, Hark, how often does it happen that people mistake you for CC? Every, Every single day. day. Growing up, I had I had man boobs, even though I was a skinny guy. <laughs> I'd like to change my number. I want to see what else is available. And he just looks at me and goes, just be fucking happy you're on the team, right? <laughs> Yo, yo, everybody, we are back. A brand new episode of R2C2. This is the best of R2C2, Volume 2. I am in Chicago getting ready for the WNBA playoffs. Big game between the Sky and the Mercury Sea. And the Yankees are in Detroit continuing their chase of the top record in the American League and home field advantage. Really the best record in all of baseball, in case you... You know, end up meeting the Dodgers in the World Series. Obviously, you'd want home field advantage there as well. Um, and we get C back on the mound. So we got a lot going on, but, you know, we wanted to make sure we still brought you another Thursday episode. We've been going strong, so we didn't want to get off track. So we've decided to put together a best of R2C2 from the 2019 season. So here are 10 of the funniest, most interesting, most memorable stories and moments from spring training through September that we've had on R2C2. Back in March when Yankees fans were still getting to know him, Adam Adovino sat down with me and C. And, you know, you guys know and have gotten to learn this year that Adam is a super interesting, smart dude, very thoughtful, doesn't speak in cliches. And we really enjoyed our time with him. And he told a fantastic story about how he developed his signature pitch and why he doesn't always call it a slider. Take a listen to this. Adam, how did you develop this filthy slider? Uh, to be honest, I always threw curveballs like from a young age. Um we never really believed in the whole uh, don't throw your breaking ball to your older thing. My dad's theory on it was, well, if you want to be any good, you better have a good breaking ball. So, <laughs> and, and what are you saving your arm for? Like, if if you're not, if like you're saving your arm and you don't have a breaking ball, then you're not going to play at the higher level. And like, what's the point? So, we just wanted to go from it, go for it from the beginning. So, I always had a curveball, and it was really big. And when I was in college, uh, actually, a catcher uh, who played at my college, played in the big leagues a little bit, Luke Carlin, showed me how to throw like a cutter. So I worked on the cutter and I had both in college. And then when I got into pro ball, when I got to double A, my curveball was like big, but nobody was swinging at it when it was a ball and they were hitting it when it was a strike. I think cause it had a big hump like upward out of my hand. So then I started talking with uh, the hitters on my team that I was close with, like John Jay and uh, Alan Craig in particular, both like pretty good big league guys. Mm -hmm. And they were like, yeah, it's just like you can see it out of your hand, I think. You need something that comes a little more like that we have to respect that it's going to be a strike longer. So I took the idea of how to spin the curveball from the beginning and just kind of took that into that cutter grip and altered it a little. So it was basically like a sideways-ish curveball. And... It just started working, and then I just started kept kept going and kept going, and so I really think it's it spurs it spurs from the curveball, but um, with a little bit of advice, it was able to turn into something a little more unique. 
That's so fascinating. So do you not even really look at it as a slider then? You, you I just think it? of it as like a breaking ball, honestly. Like mm-hmm. that way I don't have to keep it in one little category. I can throw it with a little more down, a little more left, and be creative with it. That's how I try to think about it. Awesome. And most people with different with breaking balls, you know, like I, and my, my slider, I think it's a cutter. You know what I'm saying? Like, in Paxton, with his, with his slider, he thinks it's a cutter. So you have to think yeah. different things to make, you know, to make the pitch. And it's got to be funny, too, then, when you hear other people, like, identifying your pitch as something. Like, oh, yeah, you're this, like, very knowingly. And it's like, like well, no, that's it's not, not really, really it's what not it is. Really yeah. is. And it's never that. And you can yeah. never really get into a pitcher's head and, and what he calls his pitch. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's a lot of gray area in pitches. I mean, you know curve slurve slider cutter like they're all related it's just like to what extent so everybody's got their own dna in their in the way they spin the ball and that's why i don't try to get too caught up in the label of it not only is 22 year old glaber torres having a monster season on the field for the yankees he is becoming one of the faces of the franchise i've been so impressed with this dude I mean, I've told you guys the story before about how he decided to stop using a translator in his first visit to New York when he was, I think he was just 19 years old. I was doing a panel and it was with a live audience, which those can be some of the most nerve wracking circumstances. It was his very first day in New York and I'm asking him questions, expecting him to use Marlon, the translator, Marlon Abreu, who's a great dude, by the way. And instead, Glaber's like, no, I got this and starts answering in English. That just kind of showed me about how... This guy was not afraid, and we've seen that with Glaber, obviously, early on in his career. Earlier this year, we sat down with him, had an incredible conversation, and Glaber detailed his journey from Venezuela to the Bronx, including finding out the Cubs had traded him to the Yankees by FaceTiming Aroldis Chapman. You know, Glaber, one of the things uh, I was just thinking about in regard to, to your career and your rise is, you know, you had to start playing pro ball at such a young age like see i always think that's so interesting how these guys you know leave their country at such a young age and all of a sudden are thrust into a profession when you're 16 years old and you're leaving venezuela i mean how nervous were you just as a young kid having to learn a new culture new language and also acclimating to being a professional um it's difficult i mean I lived my mom and my dad first first couple months. I was go to Arizona, and uh, first day to go to the ballpark. Um, I'm impressed. I mean, it's a lot of people. Everything is f- first time I saw uh, United States. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, I'm trying to to be relaxing, but it's difficult because everybody speak English, and in that moment, I don't I don't speak any English, and I feel. Um, different. Yeah. Uh, my my first day is quit. Just I meet the manager of the rookie. I remember some players, Latin players for sure. And I got a, a funny history. I was go to the hotel and for sure I'm hungry. <laughs> and wow, I say so I'm hungry. I'm I'm alone in my room. I don't speak any English. So <laughs> how how I I try to make a food, you know. Yeah. So. I tried to call some some guys to the team, but the, the in that time the team play playing rookie ball, so I don't have anything. I tried to call my agent, and my agent don't answer the call, the, <laughs> the, the phone call. I say, wow. <laughs> uh, I I I walk to the subway, so I go to the subway. I say, the guy, hey, 
you speak English or speak Spanish? He said, yeah, I just speak Spanish, English. I said, wow. So let me, give me that, give me that, give me that. <laughs> and uh, I like Kekshu. Yeah. And I think they have a Kekshu. And I say, hey, give me that red, red sauce. The red sauce, yeah. And he put something. I say, hey, can you put more, more, more? And he put like a spicy <laughs> so I don't like it spicy. When uh, when I I walk back to the hotel, um, and just sitting, watch TV, and okay, it's time to to eat. When I eat, everything is spicy. spicy. Oh, I said, wow! <laughs> and I swear, I don't eat. I don't eat. I'm waiting for the next day. I go to the ballpark and and I'm uh, and take a breakfast but I, I i take i take all that experience i mean i is is part of the process and every year i just try to to learn a little bit more spanish uh, english mm-hmm. try to be comfortable every day and and i'm feel i feel really really good right now because um i'm i look back couple years ago mm-hmm. and i don't speak any english and now i i i, I, I come uh got a conversation with my teammates with, with the people outside the field and I feel I feel really proud to myself yeah that's good I mean that's that's a huge accomplishment being I mean like I, we always talk about that Rook like you know having a chance to to leave your country I mean I, I mean me leaving my house at 17 years old and going to a different place and within the United States was hard you know what I mean yeah. so yeah. just you know leaving your country and, and not knowing any of the language has to be incredibly difficult so that, difficult. that's a that's, uh, Kudos to you that you're able to, you know, still, you know, you're still learning and, and still, you know, trying to get it down. That's awesome. Yeah. Glaber, do you remember? It's, I mean, it's so true. See, I, I can't imagine, like, for me, I was nervous going to, like, Loyola in Baltimore by myself for <laughs> yeah, college, you know, for a year. Saying. To the point that I ended up transferring closer to home and going to Fordham. So <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine what it's like being in a different country and having professional expectations. Glaber, when you were going through that process, you're one of the top prospects in Venezuela at the time. What made you sign with the Cubs? What made you know, okay, that's the spot I want to be? Um, first of all, I feel proud for the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have, I was have a, a lot of tryouts, showcase with with all the the team and cup. Is the owner of the team give me a first opportunity to to sign professional. Uh, my first year, uh, it was a regular year for for the rookie. I was got 17 year. I played rookie ball and and I finished in in my in short season. Mm-hmm. So I think I I take that year like like learn like relaxed year. I mean I don't think about prospect in that moment. Uh, I was prospect like uh, twenty or something. Mm-hmm. It's not like a big deal for me, you know. Follow that year, my second year in professional. So I play low eight. Um, uh, I start really well. In that moment, some some guy like Soler, mm-hmm. Schwalber. It was they they was a prospect and they make a bigly. So in that moment, one day I remember um, I chugged the ball before the game and some 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 my teammate tell me, hey, congrats, you are the first the number one prospect on the organization. Wow. I say why? Because they tell Those me Schwalber or Soler go to the bigly. So now you are the one the number one prospect. Next day, I don't speak English any English. It's my second year. So next day, coming go to the uh, to the practice and like a five five media guy the media guy 
tried to give me an interview and that in that moment I feel scared I feel like a, <laughs> my first day on, on the school I feel like a, I say I don't speak English some coach <laughs> is from from Puerto Rico uh -huh. speak English and they help me and in that moment uh, I think about I learn about how is the life to the prospect or to to the future future bigly mm -hmm. because it's my first interview in English and and I feel like uh, okay that is the moment you know everybody after that interview start watch me because it's the number one prospect on the cups and I feel I start feel like uh, okay I think that is my moment mm -hmm. let me play my game let me let me think in, in my future because in 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 that couple of seconds I saw everybody watch me so After that, um, I, I, I start a little bit more focused in, in my future. I start, I start like, uh, wow, that is my opportunity. Let me play every day my game. Let me, let me, let me enjoy. Let me, let me work hard because I, I, I just wanna, wanna one opportunity to play, play in the big league with the cups. Mm -hmm. And after, after that year, everything is in. I mean, everything is in for, for good teams for Feeling me. Good, yeah. That's an awesome story, Glaber. I mean, and it, it is, it's incredible, right? How like all of a sudden when you're the number one prospect, all the attention is focused mm -hmm. on you and the major league fans are, you know, obviously they want to know how their minor leaguers are doing. When you got, when you got traded to the Yankees, I mean, because, because it must have been, you know, hard, like you're talking about acclimating right away to the new country. And, and obviously it's part of the help was the teammates you had in the Cubs minor league system, right? Like yep. those guys, I'm sure, helped you along. So then when you get traded, was it hard to leave them and know, oh, I'm going to kind of have to do this all over again at a new organization? You know what? The first the first day, <clears throat> um, my AM, I, I, go, I go straight to, to the game. Mm -hmm. So I saw the lineup. And I play shortstop that day, so I go to practice. And before, like a five minutes, go to the ballpark to play. The manager told me, "Hey, you don't play today." I say, "Why? Something wrong or something?" I think my personal thing. I go to double because I'm here. I, I was here really well in that in that couple months in high eight. So then I, the manager told me, "I can't tell you nothing." So you don't play and feel like oh, wow why why I don't I don't play so yeah um, after ten minutes um I walk to the office and I say hey tell me what happened because you know yeah. uh, I'm, I'm human I, I wanna I wanna know what happened he say hey maybe you you trade but he don't tell me anything and I'm and I stay like in shop I say wow okay I call my agent and my agent tell me yeah you maybe you you go trade but The same. He don't tell me what thing I go. Um, I, I feel like it's different. I I start feel like a little bit nervous. I'm sure, right? Nervous. And you know, I watch the game. After after that game, I go home. Anybody tell me something? So I say in my side, I maybe I don't trade today. Yeah, it's just rumors. You know, everything is rumors and. And nothing happened. In that night, I was I I start look like social media and everybody put uh, Chagman his go to to cops and cops try some prospect and I say wow maybe it's true. <laughs> <laughs> some some friend 
the Chagman from Cuba, he lived with me in that level, in, okay. that, in the same house. And he he, he go to, to my room and he said, you know what? Let me coach Adnan face to face and let me let me ask if true, if true, if not, it's just rumor. I say, okay, let's do it. He <laughs> coached Chagman first time. And when he coached Chagman, he started Packing and, <laughs> and, and, and I say, no Let way. Let me start packing. <laughs> no way. And Chagma say, hey, I said it. What's up? And he said, he, he asked Chagma, hey, Chagma, you, you, you trade his Chagma. said, yeah, I'm trade. But anybody knows because he's, the the, uh, the the news is coming tomorrow morning. Yeah. So, but I know. And in that moment, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in, the, in my bed and I, I feel sad. You know, I say, wow, I leave my friends. I leave all the organization so I can sleep that night mm -hmm. because uh, too many things in, in my uh, on my head I think a lot of things so you know it's, it's different it's different feelings some f feeling really well and some feeling really bad because I leave my team or the organization watch me growing up mm -hmm. but the next day is of official the trade is official and and really, I feel a proud. I feel happy because I think everybody wanna play with the Yankees. And yeah. in that moment, in that moment, uh, I start playing with the Yankees. I say, "Wow, now it's different, different feeling." I feel really, really excited. I just wanna take the flight and, and leave to Tampa because the Yankees called me. The Yankees called me and say, "Hey, you, you are starting Tampa Yankees. It's the same, the same level I was playing with the Cubs." And I'm just, just excited, a uh, big opportunity to me to, to play with the Yankees and, and just want to play and do rock and roll. One of the most beloved, popular, hilarious guys in the Yankees organization is bullpen coach Mike Harkey. He and C have been close friends for years, even during a brief stint where Mike left the Yankees in 2014 to coach in Arizona, then came back in 2016. The Hark episode was one of our favorites, and he spoke about how he and CC first bonded and what it's like being mistaken for C, even in the bullpen during Yankees games. You know, when you you guys first, you came here maybe a year before CC, yeah, right? Yeah, I was here in 2008. Yeah, yeah, you came in 2008. Did you guys, like, did you bomb pretty quickly in 09 when you came, C? I know the breakfasts didn't start till 2016, but when did you guys hit yeah, it Yeah, like, I think right away in spring training. Um, I remember, <laughs> I remember, I didn't know Hark that well, but, you know, I walked in and, and, and I'm sitting in the um, food room back in the day. Remember they had the couch back oh, in there? Yeah. And I had the TV on, it was early in the morning, I had the TV on BET. And he came walking in. He was like, "Yeah, finally somebody!" <laughs> I said, "I said, finally, Black Chapel." <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to watch MTV anymore. Oh, it's not terrific. Sports Center every day. We got Yo MTV raps coming on a little while. <laughs> that is tremendous! Oh my gosh! Well, and we know that you know. Uh, Mike Harkey's um, his uh, last year on Players Weekend jersey was I'm not Cece for the nickname, which yeah. was phenomenal. Which of course begs the question, Hark: How often does it happen that people mistake you for Cece? Every every single day. day. Oh my gosh! Every single day. He can be standing next to me, and then he'll walk away. And I'll still be out there throwing right-handed, and people will say, Cece. <laughs> and I'm that's like, amazing. you're not true Yankee fans. <laughs> you know he's left-handed. Oh, In the bullpen, they think he's the bullpen coach. I'm mm -hmm. like, you're not a true Yankee fan because you know that Cece's not down here during the game. 
in the bullpen. That's hilarious, man. You oh. guys won game. You should switch jerseys during the game, oh. and you go out in the go bullpen, in the act bullpen. like the coach. <laughs> and our, you should be on the top step, like oh, yeah. hands over, <laughs> see if anybody notices. Oh, nobody, man. Nobody, nobody will notice. Nobody will notice. <laughs> the only person will notice is Michael K. That's yeah. about it. <laughs> nobody else will pay attention to it. Oh, Every fan will think it's still CC everywhere. He, I mean, he's like, wow, he's everywhere. <laughs> that is phenomenal. On May 1st, our guy, CC Sabathia, became just the 17th major league pitcher to record 3,000 career strikeouts. It was an incredible moment for CC, his family, the Yankees, and just a really cool moment for anyone who follows baseball because CC has become such a living legend of the game, especially in these later years as we've seen him go through and pile up some of these milestones. And the next day, Adam Jones, one of CC's best friends in the majors, joined us in Arizona, and CC opened up about his big night and what the experience of reaching 3,000 strikeouts was like for him. It's a special day for us on R2C2 because we are celebrating you being just the 17th pitcher in baseball history, just the third lefty in baseball history to reach 3,000 strikeouts. Congratulations, my brother. That is amazing, dude. Thank you, man. It went like... When you like say the numbers and how many people have done it, it, it makes it special. You know what I mean? Like three lefties, yeah. um, you know, seventeen guys overall. Man, it's this it's pretty crazy. I never, you never like you know play baseball or or you know when you think about being a big leaguer, you know, getting three thousand strikeouts or you know going to the Hall of Fame. You just think about wanting to play good and like be an all star and play well and all this extra stuff is just like icing on the cake. Man, it's been amazing. You know, see, I wanted to ask you, when did 3,000 strikeouts first get on your radar? Because I know you've said, and you told us at the end of last year, like, yeah, you know what, I never think about stats, but this one is on my mind a little now. But do you remember the first time you realized, like, oh, this is a crazy milestone that I'm going to reach or I have a good chance to reach? I think it was the beginning of, of uh, 18 when uh, um, it, was this, it was the winter of 2018 and Harold Reynolds texted me and was like, hey, man, just want to let you know, you know, there's never been a guy, uh, all the guys that have 250 wins and 3,000 strikeouts are in the Hall of Fame. And he sent me my numbers at the time. And I'm like, bro, you kidding me? Like, <laughs> I'm 36 years old. Like, I'm old. I got broke down knees. Like, I can't be, like, out there trying to shoot for the Hall of Fame. Um, but but I ended up having a good year that year. You know, I had a bunch of strikeouts. And then, um, you know, it was just right there for me. So, like, like I said, I never planned for it or, or I never, you know, went out trying to strike guys out. It's just something that, you know, I've been blessed to, to be able to do and, and being able to play for so long, I think, uh, has gotten me to this point. That's pretty funny. So Harold Reynolds is the one who first put it on your radar. He did. He did. He put it on my radar. He just shot me a text randomly, like, in the middle of January. So you got uh, it. <laughs> that, that is great. So, see, what, I mean, a, as you're going through that second inning in Arizona Tuesday night and, and you get the first strikeout, are you starting to think, like, I mean, because you look sharp, too. Are you mm -hmm. starting to think, oh, oh, I'm going for it. I'm, I'm going to get this soon. Well, no, nah, I wasn't thinking about that. I was just like, I feel like you said, I just felt sharp. So I wanted to, like, just make pitches. You know what I mean? Like, I felt good, and I didn't want that to be on my mind. So I was just trying to make pitches and, and be aggressive. Um, that was the biggest thing. And, and I felt like in that second inning, that was the, my opportunity. You know what I mean? And, and fittingly, as soon as you get the 3,000 strikeout, 
your next comment is yelling at the umpire. I mean, it was a perfect <laughs> moment, man. It perfect, really my fashion. Like, it's so dumb, right? It's like, I get the 3,000 <laughs> strikeouts, and I'm, I'm worried about the umpire. And you know what? See, this is perfect for us, I think, because obviously, you know, this is a special uh, day for our listeners, too, getting to hear you right after 3,000. And last year, we had so many people who just loved hearing from Adam and Adams, he's, he's, he's like family to you. So for him to be the guy on our show the day after you get 3000 just feels kind of right. Doesn't it? Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do it with nobody else, bro. It was great. That's big bro, man. For everybody. And, and see, just like, you know, obviously Adams, he's, he's part of your baseball family. I I did want to make sure that, you know, I got to ask you about what it was like for you after you greeted your teammates, seeing your family down on the field. You know, I saw Eddie Fastook, uh, take them down from their seats, you know, obviously, and then you giving them hugs. What was that part of the moment like last night? Steve? That was cool. That's cool. <clears throat> that was cool. It's, um, it was fun to, to be able to have them share that moment with me. Um, it's cool that my kids are old enough to appreciate it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I, my kids are, you know, my youngest is eight, so he knows what's going on. And, and uh, so that's fun that I was able to stick around long enough to be able to, to have them really appreciate what I was able to do in this game. And, and, uh, you know, not just them, my whole family. You know, my Uncle Ed was here. You know, um, my cousin who I, who passed away, who I keep on my glove, his kids were here. Um, mm. it, it was a lot of extended family, a lot of family. And um, it was just a good night, man. It, it was good to celebrate with everybody that came out. And and uh, But the first person, obviously, you know who was going to be there, right, for the TV. It wasn't for Dad getting 3000 It was for more for him to be on TV was Carter. <laughs> Carter. He was the first one, yeah. dog. He got, he got to be in the spotlight, dog. And, and, and the shit was all about him. You know what I'm saying? He was so hyped. <laughs> but uh, that, he gets that from his mom, man. That's my boy. I was at the bill last night. Huh? I was at food bill. Oh, man. <laughs> I, ducked, I, I had to duck out of there before that full bill. Like, nah, I appreciate you, He covered you, dog. mine, man. He yeah. covered yeah. people. He get the hell nah, out. he covered half of it, dog. I appreciate <laughs> it. Oh, my God, man. Dude, so how how many people did you guys have at dinner last Oh night? man, maybe three forty, three full tables, three full yeah. tables, yeah, thirty oh, or forty. Man. Yeah. I had a bunch of my and teammates he, that that from Arizona uh, that play, live in Arizona: Josh Barfield, Ben Francisco, um, uh, Chris Young. It was a bunch mm. of guys that came out that live here, you know. So um, it was fun to be able to celebrate yeah. with them too and see those guys. And and Adam, did you procure the restaurant? Did you have a good spot for C to eat in Arizona, or did you already know the the spot C? Um, well, I think it was already set up, predetermined on um, if you know. Obviously, if the game went quick, which it did, we were going to keep them. We were going to keep the chef there uh, the entire time. And what made me real happy was when they brought out that big seafood tower. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh, them big old shrimps, them big shrimps. Oh, State forty four, man. Ooh. Thank you guys. For I missed that it butter cake for too. Oh, it was, was the, what, uh, the steak, steak 44? Yeah, The place was incredible. I missed that butter cake. Oh. So good. I had it two nights before, so I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just now thinking, I went from the butter cake straight to three donuts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you guys know this from spending time listening to these episodes, that over the last few seasons, whenever the Yankees play the Blue Jays, CeCe and I have enjoyed catching up with dynamic young pitcher Marcus Stroman. Now, when we recorded with Stroh this year, it was right around the time when the trade rumors started swirling. To his credit, Marcus expressed a great attitude to us about wanting to compete, blocking out the noise, and staying focused. He eventually did get traded to the Mets later in the summer, but Marcus and CeCe both had interesting perspectives on what it's like being on a rebuilding team. C even offered some wisdom about being traded from Cleveland and his honest take about the Yankees trading away players at the deadline 
in 2016. Like, I mean, how do you, how do you deal with it? Because, like, you guys are going through a rebuilding year, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you may be in the prime of your career, but you have a lot of, a lot of young talent that could soon be very impactful on the major league level, but they're going to be learning, right? Do, do you, like, just focus in on you and what you need to do, and does that get you through it? Or, or like, how do you kind of access little victories even if you guys aren't going to have the big ones no i don't think you focus on you baseball you you need all nine like it's such a team sport you know what i mean so i think it's just more of the battle to keep the team morale good Mm -hmm. you know what i mean at the end of the day we all love each other in that clubhouse we're all brothers um and we're all going to go out there compete each and every day to our best ability i think it's just about keeping the mental at a place where it doesn't start to waver and then losses start to turn into um negative energy in the clubhouse negative energy off out of the clubhouse you don't want it to kind of just make your whole life miserable mm-hmm. so i think it's just a matter of like cc finding little checkpoints little um bonuses that you could see like oh this is what we did today where we can kind of build on that going forward and all right we're at least getting better we're not trending down we're starting to figure it out and start to trend upward mm. you guys kind of had that in 2016 the second half of the year once like gary came up and stuff where it's like oh like you feel like even though the playoffs weren't necessarily an option it's like, oh, you feel like you're building something. Yeah, for sure. But but even, you know, early in 2016, we realized we weren't going to make the playoffs. And, you know, we started trading everybody. I'm sitting there looking like, I'm not going through no rebuilding. Fuck that. You know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? Like, you start to, you know, start to think that maybe, you you know, maybe time for you to go too and go to a place where you can win. You know, Carlos was left and then... Um, <clears throat> Andrew had got traded, so I'm kind of sitting there like, fuck, man. Yeah. Like, do, you know what I mean? Do I want to yeah. sit through a rebuilding? And then Gary came up 10 days later, rebuilding was over. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just happened so us. It happened for us so fast because of the talent that we had. But yeah, I mean, even that fucking two weeks, three weeks when before he came up, started hitting homers, it was rough. Like, we, I mean, you're really sitting there. I'm having conversations with Amber, like, do I, you know, what do we do? Like, do yeah. I want to sit here and go through rebuilding i know i can pitch a little longer and um but at that point in my career you don't want to you don't want to lose yeah, facts man <laughs> i mean and i know sees later on in his career was later on in his career at that point than you are now but these are probably similar things that you're going to be dealing with or already are with because you know i mean i know you know your name's out there every day right as a guy who hey toronto's in a rebuild marcus stroman's an attractive starting pitcher people are going to want him how fo- how closely do you follow that how much do you think about that i mean you see it even yeah. if people say they don't see it, man you see it. it's hard not to it's yeah. hard not yeah. to and if it's you don't hard. see it you hear it from somewhere from some point in your life somebody so yeah i see it i'm pretty active honestly it doesn't bother me to that point i feel like i've always been in trade talks but i've honestly been doing a good job of just focusing on like living in like the present moment and every day like a lot of that's out of your control i've started to realize that i don't waste energy on things that um i can't control and I love Toronto. I've loved this country. I love this city for a long time. I love being here. Um, not only in the clubhouse, but also away from the fields. Mm. I love everything I have set up, my friendships, the community, the society, everything about it. So um, I love being here. So at the end of the day, um, I'm just kind of doing everything I can here and then everything else will kind of take care of itself. Do you guys get it? Like if you get in a situation where, you know, an organization kind of says, look, this is where we're at. This is where you're at. I think it could help both of us to put you in a you know more competitive situation and us to stockpile, right? It could end up being your situation. Maybe it doesn't. How much of a back and forth is there between front office and player? Like, hey, can you if you're going to deal me, could you maybe try and get me to one of these situations? I think it depends on your, your relationship with them. Yeah. The relationship that you have with the organization and the city and, and all that stuff. I mean, when I was going through it in Cleveland, um, it was the same it was Mark. 
you know, Shapiro. So, uh, you know, he's, I'm super close with him and, you know, I, I didn't want to know anything, you know, I was yeah. trying to stay away from it. I knew I was getting traded. I mean, I knew I was getting traded. So it's no point in like talking about it all the time, you know, just let me know when you trade me and, and, and I'll go from there. And you, you didn't say, saying? Hey, I'd prefer here or here. None of that. No, that's I, I honestly, that's that. where I'm at. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't want to know. Cause then it just becomes something added to your, to your mind. And then you, you start think thinking of. about if, if a city pops up, then you start thinking about planning that city, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, and then yeah. that don't happen. And you disappoint. So mm-hmm. I didn't care. You know, I, I knew I was getting traded. I just didn't, I didn't want to talk about it all the time. So, yeah. um, you know, they, they, they didn't even, you know, I, I found out off my phone when we landed on the plane and really the travel secretary, I got off the plane, the travel secretary was crying Aww. and like, I, it was crazy. You know what I'm saying? So it was just, it was, it was one of those trippy things where same thing where I had my friend set up, I had a, a network set up in Cleveland and I thought I was never leaving. You know, mm-hmm. that was my home. I got drafted by them when I was 17. This is my place, you yeah. know? So, um, it, it, I mean, it, it worked out in a good way just realizing that baseball is baseball. I walked in the Milwaukee clubhouse, felt like I had been there for 10 years, you yeah. know what I mean? And it all was good. So, it, you know, I, I mean, yeah, I cried. It was tough and everything. But, you know, as soon as I got to Milwaukee, it was turn, turn the page and let's go. Oh, another player who we always have a blast with on the pod is Luke Voigt. Luke came on for the second time this season, and I told a story kind of unexpectedly about having – surgery when I was younger for gynecomastia, which these guys ended up terming as breast reduction surgery. It ended up being a hilarious moment and something that's taken on a life of its own in a pretty funny way. So, you know, that's one of the things we do with R2C2 is, you know, we try and create a place of comfort where, you know, you're just comfortable being yourself. You're not trying to hide any truths. You're you're just very open and honest and it's a storytelling format and Luke and C made me feel comfortable enough to tell my story so uh, here it is were you one of these dudes who was like looking for an excuse to take his shirt off like in high school and, and college and whatnot? <laughs> no, because I was like 215 skinny. I wasn't like a big uh, Yeah. Hey, you know what's crazy? Like when they, ever had, they had shirts and skins at school, I, 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 I'm out. I'm not playing. <laughs> bro, I, I totally I'm get out, it. Guys. I totally I'm get it. I'm not playing shirts and skins, bro. So I, I, I can hoop, but I just can't take my shirt off. <laughs> did you ever like, how did you, did you tell uh, like, Oh no, I was straight out just, yeah. no, I'm not fucking doing it. Yeah, okay, good. Like, no, yeah. I'm out. Yeah. You got to uh, put me on the team with the shirts. <laughs> so, I, I swear, this is divulging a lot, but this is what we do on R2C2. Growing up, I had, I had, I had man boobs, even though I was a skinny guy. <laughs> I did. I, and, and so, moves. I, yeah, I, I did. I really did. And so, I had the same thing. When they would say shirts and skins, it terrified the shit out of me. <laughs> I'd be like, no, no, no. So, I actually, I got my mom to write a note to one of the coaches. <laughs> no. Ryan Are you serious? Ryan can't uh, do skins. Your mom's so. awesome for that, girl. <laughs> Because my mom would have been like, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> Stop being a pussy. <laughs> I did. See, you didn't know we were going to get into real breast examination here. Oh, but this is what we do, man. That's awesome. The so, shit you go through in your childhood, bro. Uh, like, isn't it crazy? It's and hilarious. the stuff you like worried about. Do you have like big about? nipples too? Yeah, man. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, it all like, eventually it, it turned into actually I had a true I mean, I don't care, it's all out there now. I had like a cosmetic surgery for it when I was eighteen. Really? And, yeah, because it was just like you know, with most young guys it goes away. Like a lot of guys kinda have some breast tissue going through puberty and whatever. It's amazing that we're getting into this. This thing. is this is <laughs> but, but like it goes away during puberty. So you had a breast reduction. I did. <laughs> Essentially, I did. Essentially, I did. <laughs> I'll tell you what. It was because hey. it freshly yeah. out. But so, but, it, oh, like, what did you man. tell people you were going to surgery for? A true, because you know, you're right. That's you can't the tell question. nobody you have a breast reduction. You, say you had like, you can't a, tell. like a heart you surgery tell. or something? No, or? no, no. I ended up telling him that I had a slight tear in a peck. <laughs> to, That's even better right there. Like, so, oh, yeah, I ripped my peck. Exactly. When I was a freshman in college, so I worked out like crazy in part to try and like build enough muscle that like the chest would look like a normal man's chest, right? So I actually like when I was a freshman in college, I was pretty jacked and like I, so it was like not that like hard to believe that like I tore a peck because it was like, oh yeah, well you're working out two to four hours a day. Okay, I can see it happening. So anyway, yeah, that's how it all happened. Now I don't mind taking my shirt off. I'm good, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you didn't know you were getting all this stuff. I love no it. Idea. I've never heard now that. Now we know. I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's now I'm going to see on ESPN and be like, that guy. Yeah. That guy had a breast reduction. The actual formal surgical name is, is gynecomastia surgery. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, essentially, they removed the breast tissue. Wow. I can't say that. Unbelievable, either. right? Somewhere like my family's listening like, Ryan, why did you just <laughs> that? Like, why did you share that? It's okay. I'm comfortable, Mom. Your dad just... Yeah, yeah he just put his head down. Like, you're getting too comfortable in R2C2, son. Now, you guys from listening also know we've developed this partnership with the Major League Baseball Players Association and began a series called The Shift. I think I just added an H in the word series, but that's all right. We'll roll with it. Now, we bring on players, usually from other teams around the league, to talk to them about the game and themselves in an unfiltered way. It's been a great experience. We've had some awesome conversations as a result, and the first episode we recorded turned out to be a little controversial. We spoke with Mookie Betts and David Price of the Boston Red Sox, and when that episode dropped, there were some Yankees fans and members of the R2C crew who weren't happy that CeCe would record with players from the Red Sox. So, you know, C and I saw some of the reactions from Yankee fans, and I think, you know, one of the things that I always think about in these situations is think about the people you've competed against growing up, right? Even if you didn't play sports in college or in the pros or whatever, you played against your friends growing up, you wanted to beat them worse than anybody. And so this idea that you can't have some sort of friendship and still feel sort of a sports hatred or a sports animosity or this extreme com competition when you're on the field, I think that's a misnomer and we know that. These guys wanna beat each other incredibly badly every time they take the field but they still have genuine friendships and the podcast ended up being really i thought one of the best we've done all year mookie and david like cc are jordan brand athletes which those guys have bonded over the last few years and the three of them had incredible perspective on what it's like to have real one-on-one -on -one moments with the goat himself michael jordan you want an interesting perspective on MJ and what it's like to interact with him, take a listen to this. 
Now, I always love, even the other day, see, at a softball game here, and we're talking with Kemba Walker, and he's saying, man, like, I just, I never get used to the fact that, like, you know, I'm texting with MJ. Like, I get a text, and I'm, and I'm like, you know, what? It's, it's Michael Jordan. You know, he's like, he's my <laughs> owner, and, like, I, I always feel that way. And I know, see, you talk about that, yeah. too. Like, it's like you never get used to that, no matter what. Do you have, like, and your guys' interactions, I don't know how many interactions you've had, have with, with Michael, but, like, do you get that feeling like, damn, that's Michael Jordan? I haven't had that interaction, but my hands are sweating right now, so I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure that, would, um, that would be my thought, yes. Yeah, nah, it was like, I mean, I definitely, I went into a, a game, uh, a Charlotte game, and uh, you know, I sat in suite with him. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only thing I remember about that. Oh wait, I'm gonna Google this right now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was, it was, yeah, you, you definitely. Uh, had to step back and, and kind of calm yourself down because it is MJ. And, I mean, you know, you're part of his brand and, and all that, you know, he's done, you know, and it was just a special moment. And, you know, I text with him every now and then just, to, you know, just see what he's going and talk some shit about golf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's, it's definitely fun and definitely uh, I think it's just been amazing for me just because, you know, obviously being able to communicate with him, but just being able to, to build relationships like this, you yeah. know, and, and – um, you know, you get your – it's an elite group of guys. So the guys that are are, are in the Jordan group are, are all the best of the best in the business. And so you definitely become uh, – you have relationships with them. And, you know, that think that I think that stuff like that is bonds that are off the field. And, you know, in the off season, maybe I hit C up and, hey, I'm coming through – you know those type of things, and and it's just uh, it's been more than just baseball for me, for sure. It's a, if you could talk shit, MJ gonna love you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna talk shit to you though. Yeah, yes. oh, I mean he's gonna test you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if you can go back and forth with him, he loves that. Now well, things you just can't win. You never can win. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you got to get a couple jabs, yeah. and he want to see if you gonna come back. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like you can't just sit there and let him like go at you. Like you got to say something back. But it is MJ because you can't go, you can't win. Yeah, you ain't gonna win. <laughs> what, 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 what is to fall back on yeah that's true <laughs> you have to be great at something because yeah. he's going I mean he's going to talk shit and then he always goes back to basketball so yeah. and then what are you going to say so wait what is he doing is he like is he talking shit about like your start or like what is he bringing sometimes up sometimes with me yeah it'll be my start but I mean it just depends on what, what we're doing like if we're at Derek's golf event then it'd be talk, you know it'd be yeah. golf or whatever or playing cards or pool or whatever Whatever we plan, he's very competitive at. So. And, and then you start going back and forth, and he eventually brings it back to, like, yo, did you see me play basketball? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is great. Well, I mean, like, that is the ultimate trump card to be able to pull, right? Like, oh, yeah, like, goat, bam. Yep. Okay, yeah, game yeah. over. And yeah. then he might hit you with the, like, anybody can win it once. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. Oh, no. Yeah. No. Get oh. your little ass ring out of here. <laughs> oh, man. When you hit you with that line, I mean, oh, just walk out. It's over. That you know what I'm saying? It's over, over. That's painful, man. Oh, my God. Now, this year, CeCe and I had an opportunity to go to London for the first Major League Baseball games ever played on European soil. It was incredible. And, uh, you know, you guys remember, it was actually on R2C2 last year when C said, he wanted to come back because he wanted to be able to go to London on that trip. I've been to London before. I love the city. This was an elevation of the experience of that city because it, it was just so unique and special. It just felt big being there with the Yankees. We had an unbelievable time. And when we got back to the States, 
We sat down to discuss all the incredible moments, and even though I was there too, I learned a few things from C about what the experience was like for the players who were a part of this rare and historic trip across the pond. Well, you have, uh, so you have the whole family there in yeah. Cleveland, and any friends coming in and stuff, oh, too? Oh, yeah, you yeah. know Joe Moore and D will be there. Okay, good. You oh, know, yeah. you know, I I, I uh, sat with them for, well, D especially, I sat with them for a little while in London during one oh, of the yeah, games. Oh, yeah, during the game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They were excited. Down. It was D's birthday the first night, too, so awesome. uh, we had a good trip. It was fun. Oh, that's awesome. Well, you know what? Let's say, we'll go back to All-Star in a moment. Let's That segues us nicely into London. I got to tell you, man, that felt like a special experience. That was incredible, man. It was it, so dope. It was just so surreal like being in the soccer stadium you know the way it was set up like it was beautiful felt bad for the pitchers just because you know <laughs> what do you think it was i, I just think the 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 brown think the breaking balls are moving um out for whatever reason something know, about just, like the the aerodynamics yeah, of the stadium the, of the stadium and they were saying there was no wind in there because of, you know i don't know whatever you know however the stadium is built but um yeah it was it was a lot of run score it was exciting it was it was Fun to be on the on the good end of that. Um, obviously, winning those two games made the trip that much better. But uh, man, getting a chance to travel with your family to Europe and you know be the first team to play in the UK, um, it was an amazing experience. And and you know London, you know, hats off to them. They they did a great job of hosting us, and everything was professional. Everything was um, first class. And and uh, I mean, I, I just loved the trip. And and uh, you know, I think everybody on our side did. I had an interesting conversation with Chad Green before we went, and you know, first of all, he's like the nicest guy in the world. He is. <laughs> Green would be a good, be good on the podcast. He would, man. I would love to talk to him. He, I, I love talking with him in the clubhouse, mm-hmm. and and we were just talking about uh, this was before London, and he was like, yeah, you know, he's like, you can, you could always go to London, right? He's like. But to go to London with the Yankees, like, yeah, that's different. a different it's a kind different of experience, experience you yeah. know? And I was like, that's a great point. It was yeah. cool, too, because I had been in that stadium before for, I think, a Jay-Z concert. Oh, really? Um, so to be there and, like, have it be my event, you yeah. know what I'm saying, like, was was really, it was dope. It, it was, felt it big, cool. man. It, like, it was big. It was. It was. Like, I mean, even, like, the way they did, first of all, that first game, the national anthem was, those singers were unbelievable, were. man. And that first game, I mean, it took five hours, right? And, yeah. You know, we thought that the next game, the fans weren't going to show up and 60,000 fans again. Like, it was right there. It was crazy, man. It was dope. It was amazing. It felt like a huge event. And you got to be on the field and part of the ceremonial first pitch with, oh, yeah. with uh, Prince Harry and yeah, Meghan Markle. And Meghan Markle, yeah, that was cool. And, and even meeting them, them coming into the clubhouse and, you know, us giving them a gift was cool. And, you know, getting that one on one time with them was awesome, and you know, getting a chance to meet them was cool. They were they were cool. Was everyone like nervous as they were getting ready to come? Into Everybody the was nervous. Oh, oh man, you should have seen like the <laughs> just the way shit was clearing out, and people like they'll be in here at five oh eight. You know what I'm saying? Like it was like right on time. Like, but it was it was dope though. It was cool. Who was the Who was the person who was like geeking out the most over meeting them? Um, I think we all were. Yeah. Um, honestly, um. All of us. I think everybody was equally excited to to meet both of them um, and just to have them be excited to be there. I think they were really excited to be there. And you can see how genuine that was. Yeah. And that made us excited. You know what I'm saying? Like they were really, she was really excited about the gift. He was really into meeting us and everything. So it was cool. And what is the deal with that? Like, because I remember with um, William and Kate, 
They, that's their names, right? The other ones, right? I, I think, think so. Yeah, I think so, too. The, the Like, it was like you can't touch them or something like that. There were some rules about no oh, touching. Yeah. I, don't I don't know. know. I think Mookie I, gave uh, yeah, Megan just, a hug. Me, yeah. too, and I saw Megan with her arms around you guys yeah. and stuff like that. So, I, 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 I didn't, I didn't they, hear so there were no, like, instructions. No, like, it wasn't none of that. Don't touch the shoulder of Harry <laughs> or Megan. Like, I would be like, okay, all right. So, no, I was thinking about that when you were going out to the mound. Don't touch like, anybody. Yeah, yeah, I was like, yo, be careful, see? You, you don't want to get X communicated here. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> He's going for his shoulder. Get away. Like, I mean, it is funny, though, man. It's, I mean, it was really cool. What did you... Oh, how was the Harry Potter tour? Oh, Harry did? Potter was dope. We've been to Universal, and Universal does a good job. They, yeah. like... If you if the fan if anybody listening to this you've been to Universal they do a really good job it's really close yeah but it's just you know everything there is the real you know they had Harry Scar you know oh. what I'm saying like Wait, it was what is just this, the, like the like actual scar yeah they put on his head? yeah Ooh, and the guy who took the white gloves out and like showed us the scar like it was uh, it was it was super super dope um and 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 it was just the real stuff so it, it, that was cool that was really it was that, a far drive though everything that that was the only thing yeah 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 traffic and shit oh it's, it takes forever. everything takes for everything I forgot about that I forgot <laughs> about that. And the, the the travel, so the trip was unbelievable. I wish we would have had longer because it was, yeah. that city is amazing. Yeah, I wish we would have had a couple, like one more day to tour. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. it was, and we and got What would have been cool would have been to go to Paris, to go to the, the World Cup. Uh, I know, girl, man. I women. know. I wanted to do it, that too. That would have been dope. And you know, I'm, I'm really close friends with Megan Rapinoe. So I was like, because she's Sue's girlfriend yeah. and, and Sue's one of my close friends. And so at one point, we were all talking about it, and I was going to do that and go to the semifinal oh, the or whatever. Yeah, and then I was looking at the rest of the schedule and stuff. Yeah, you've been I, exhausted, but I, I mean, yeah. it, it was. That, I mean, Ugh, it was it was great. The tra- Everything is dope. It, it is so cool over there. The travel um, was the the travel was insane though i mean it, that could have worn you guys out for the rest of the second half first half yeah, I but like. i mean we had the off day coming back yeah you think you're all right you were okay yeah, to deal I think with we it we're okay yeah um I, f- I feel like everybody came back in tuesday feeling pretty good well that's good man yeah i mean and you guys have still been able to play well afterwards we played pretty which is good, good so far yeah. yeah the now if you were told you could go again. Would you be excited to go back and go play games? One thousand percent. Yeah, that's yeah. great, man. And that, as long it, as I didn't have to pitch, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have wanted to pitch in those games. Because your ERA will. No, just oh not my to, just, just the preparation oh, and like yeah. everything was different and yeah, we so creatures to habit and like every everything was so different. I felt bad for Masa. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just I wouldn't have wanted to pitch. Like going is is just as like how, how I did. Yeah, as basically a fan. <laughs> <laughs> but on the Yankees, like yeah. I would love to do that again. See, yeah. that's you know what that is kind of. I was talking to about that sort of with Andy Pettit, who was out over there at least for the first few. Oh, days he wouldn't have wanted to pitch that game. That, exactly, he would have been freaking out. Exactly, he would have been going crazy. <laughs> he would know. He, I mean, he would have. He would have been going crazy. He would. What did he say about it? He said. He said I wouldn't. He's like, if I was pitching the second game, I would have never been able to enjoy any aspect of the trip i would yep. have been just thinking about like how i'm how do i get my routine right how yep. am i gonna you know yeah and how I was you get like, to yes. the ballpark it, like is everything is so different uh, honestly when you're pitching in games like that you have to you have to just get comfortable being uncomfortable yeah because you know and just say that this 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 is one star is different everything's different and just roll with it you know what I'm saying? Instead yeah. of trying to be in on your routine, because if you if you're trying to if keep you're trying to be perfect, yeah. then then something's gonna fuck up. Yeah, that makes know? sense. Now you know, if we talk to Didi Gregorius, we talk to Aaron Hicks. If we talk to Aaron Hicks, we talk to Didi Gregorius. They're like brothers. They're absolutely hilarious together. 
And they certainly provided us with another standout moment from this year. The two of the most interesting dudes on the roster, Didi, the renaissance man that he is, talked about learning to play the piano and shared some great anecdotes about his budding musical career. In London. Yeah. So we walked in. It was after we came off a season party. So we walked in. And there was one of the Sam Brenners who were playing the piano. So I was like, oh, this she's playing the piano. We just watch. And I was about to go up to the room. I was like, I don't want to do anything. Just go up to the room. <laughs> this fool goes, hey, man, go, go get the piano. Go get the piano. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, go, go play, go play. I was like, nah, I don't want to play. He's like, go play. And then she looks at me and like, you play? I was like, not really. Yeah, you know how to play. Yeah, you know how to play. <laughs> so, so did you play there? Yeah, the I played lobby? there. Yeah, wow. I played the wow, lobby. Oh, man. Dope, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the little piano dude was like, well, well I guess my job's yeah. done. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, no, you're good. You're good. Go ahead, dude. Do your thing, dog. just walked away, and uh, the girl was actually like, she's a singer, so she was setting up like the mics and everything, and then you know, I was playing John Legend. And uh, she literally started singing. Oh, that oh, is girl. awesome, yeah, wow, man. So I was playing. So recently I had one of my friends, shout out to Matthew Conway, who is an outstanding general manager and head sommelier of Mark Forgione, best restaurant in New York City. He, he was listening, kind of binge-watching R2C2, and he was like, man, I had no idea Zach Britton was that interesting, that fun. You guys who listen to Zach know that. When he came on the podcast in August, he had some terrific stories from his days in Baltimore. It was interesting hearing him talk about the 2016 AL wildcard game, his unique perspective on not being used. But the best, without a doubt, funniest story he told was about how he got the jersey number 53. So take a listen in to this absolutely hilarious story about why when you watch Britain come into the games, he has a 5-3 on his back. Zach, are you able to tell us the story of 53? What no, do you yeah, think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I knew We just saw the old clubhouse guy. Yeah, exactly. We were walking I won't name him on air. Don't name him on air, but just say random clubhouse guy. Random clubhouse guy. Yeah, it was 2011 was like the first year I got, well, 2010, I got put on the 40-man here in Baltimore. So 2011 is my first spring training have a great camp and we're about like i don't know like a weekend and i think that was the first year was like i don't know something going on like if you change your number during the season you got to pay for something or whatever because they're selling in the team store so oh like, you had you have to buy the jersey yeah yeah oh, if you change yeah. your, if you change your number and they already made them then you have to buy those jerseys and to, to redo them yeah gosh right. that's part of the reason why like uh lebron couldn't change his number yeah, like with so. the lakers right. or something like that i think it's something like that. yeah exactly like yeah yeah um so he's like hey you know it was pretty much the guys that made the team like i really hadn't been told i made the team yet like <laughs> sure walter hadn't even told me but um we're sitting there and he's like if you guys want to change your number now's the time you're not changing it so you gotta pay right so i'm like Sick, I don't want 53. Like, who wears 53? <laughs> so I go into his office and I say, Hey, uh, I'd like to change my number. I want to see what else is available. And he just looks at me and goes, Just be fucking happy you're on the team. <laughs> and that was it. That was it. I turned around, left, and I've been 53 ever since. What number did you have in mind, though? Like, I don't even know. <laughs> like, I, I was like 22 in the minors, but that's Jim Palmer's. That's retired. So I yeah. was just like, I kind of wanted like 55. My wife's favorite number is five. Okay, cool. Like I grew up playing like with 12, but you couldn't get that here. Or 22, you couldn't get. So I was like, I'm probably going to go. Like I think I talked to, she was my girlfriend at the time, my wife. And I was like, well, I mean, maybe I'll go, you know, 55 because that's yeah. her favorite number. And nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I came in there thinking I'm going to be like, like, oh, this is awesome. Boom, he just said it. And then 
53 ever. Like ever 10 since years that. later, <laughs> 10 years later, oh I'm wearing gosh. 53. That like is... when I got here, Nevin was wearing 53 and they're like, you want 53? Like Rob was like, you can do whatever you want. And I was just like, kind of had flashbacks to when I asked for it. I was just like, I'll just take 53 from Nevin. <laughs> that, is not, that is such a great story. Oh, so now it's your number, man. Yeah. Now, now you now probably yours, it. Like, nobody it, right? Nobody's going to take it no, from you. Yeah. you know no one wants that number. Yeah. Yeah. I think Derek Lee, because he was on the team at the time, I was remember, I, I was kind of like, you know, like, yeah. what the hell just happened? I went to Derek Lee and I told him the story. He thought it was the funniest <laughs> thing ever. And he said, he was like, yeah, Brent should be happy you're on the team, man. And I was just like, oh my gosh, man. Yeah, that, no, is, that, that is incredible. So he was talking to everybody except for you. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it was when you, you were young, you. though. Yeah, right. talk, yeah, I mean, when you're young, you just, you're not even there. Yeah, you're there, yeah. but you're not there. You're yeah. just like, I was like you're going to do it to ask of you. And yeah, now all these years later, now Zach's got like a number 53 chain and stuff like that. I don't even know what I would do by changing my number. A huge, huge thank you to the R2C crew for listening to this special best of episode. We hope you all enjoyed hearing some of our favorite moments from this season so far. We're not done yet. We got a couple of pods to record before the regular season ends. CC and the Yankees have an exciting October playoff run to get ready for. So we are jacked up for what is going to be hopefully a long and incredible uh, month in the Bronx when it comes to uh, October and a fun finish to the end of this season in C's final year. So we got some fun R2C2 stuff on the way. Thank you guys for listening and you know the deal. Be sure to subscribe to R2C2 wherever you listen to your podcast. Rate, review, follow R2C2 on Twitter and stay tuned next Thursday for another brand new episode of R2C2 is Uninterrupted. Peace guys. <laughs>